wrestling is something that most all of us enjoyed over the years, whether it be the WWF, the WCW, the World Class with the Von Erichs Wrestling, the Mid-South Wrestling with Phil Watts. No matter who it was, we grew up watching it. Eventually, pay-per-views changed everything, and that's what we're talking about today, is how pay-per-views changed the world of wrestling. Was it for the better, or was it for the worse? Let us know what you think about it, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, the host of the show. Sitting in with me this week, one of my favorite people here, Mr. Ray Franklin. Ray, thanks a lot, man, for coming back on the show and hanging out with us today. Uh, no problem. No problem. Anytime I told you, you know, anytime you need me to sit in and I got the time, I'm here for you. So, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I had some people compliment your, uh, what do we call it? Uh, Ray's rants or something, I believe, or Ray's take, or I forget what we called that little bit we had going last season, but I had quite a few people complimenting that, man. They had, they were like, where's Ray guy? Where's, where'd Ray go? Uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, this thing called life. <laughs> so I told him, I said, you know, we love the podcasting. Uh, you've got one of your own that you do and you stay busy with that. We all have jobs. We have families it's kind of hard to get everybody together consistently every week and do things, but we, we do what we can when we can, and we have fun while we do it. So that's right. That's right. Um, like I said, I, I appreciate the uh, uh, compliments. Um, yeah, that was something we did. Uh, I took a stab at it. Uh, my point of view on a few topics. Um, enjoy doing it. Pre, you know, it's a little fun. And when I thought about this episode that we're doing today, uh, you and Rob were the two people that came to mind. Uh, Rob was going to be with us tonight. But uh, his new job kicked in, and it started tonight after all, so he wasn't able to join with us. So we're going to make fun of him constantly throughout the show tonight. You'll hear the little ribs poked at him and everything, but that's this is what we're going to do because oh, he, he, he abandoned us at the last minute. Thanks, Rob. But that's real, it's okay you know, Rob, because Rob, Rob has abandonment issues. So. I know, and, and Ray's got enough in him to carry for three Robs, so that's cool. That's fine. That. That's that's a lot to carry. Trust me. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's probably best we didn't have Rob on anyway. We're family friendly, and Rob is far from family friendly. I'd have to keep reminding him constantly, you know. Uh, not that I'm throwing that out there because you slipped up on your first show and said something bad that I had to beep out later. I'm not <laughs> not bringing it up because of that at all. Well, I want you know you know me. Once I get to uh, get to go, and I go. So, I know. I, I, I will try to put a uh, what they call them things they put on engines. Uh, just the little chip they put on the engine so they won't go too fast. I, I'll try to put that on. I, and, I, I got you. I got you. And I guess worst case scenario, we've always got uh, the term of editing that we could do. So that being said, uh, t- the topic for tonight's show is something that Ray and I both have a love for, going all the way back to our childhoods, and that's wrestling. We are going to be talking about tonight wrestling and how pay-per-views changed the game because it made a, a, a huge difference from when we were young and growing up. I think I've got, uh, we discussed earlier, I've got four years on Ray, so um, I got a, a few more years of being able to watch it and enjoy it on television and seeing some live events and everything, uh, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like Ray, back in the day, uh, there's no storylines. You had bookers. Uh, they booked matches and feuds, as they called them, and the wrestlers all carried these things out week to week on television. 
they didn't have to have writers for them writing their their promos they did they got out there they acted mad they said uh you know to it what's considered funny things today if you think about it as far as insulting things go because it's not very insulting what they were saying compared to today's market mm-hmm. and uh they, they 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 built up to the big show in the big city so back here where i'm at in tennessee uh, i got a lot of memphis wrestling so the memphis coliseum every monday night was packed and sold out week to week to week to week it would it, it held a record for a while even out selling places that uh the nwa would go to and you know the crockett's just couldn't stand that uh you know, Vern Gagne of the AWA would go to like you know Minnesota for big things, uh, Las Vegas and places of that nature. And of course, Vince McMahon had Madison Square Garden locked up. Yeah, yeah. Like where I'm at, uh, DC. Um, I'm from DC, so I grew up there. Um, Baltimore was like maybe 45 minutes away, depending on how fast you drive. <laughs> um, so we, like you said, everything was booked. What I call market specific. So they wanted to sell tickets in my area. They booked all these, you know, TV shows and had market specific promos to sell us to buy tickets to come to that area show. And I don't think we got, we didn't get weekly, like we didn't get a weekly territory show. So we got like a one month it'll be at the Capitol Center. And then uh, a good month and a half later, it'll be up somewhere in Baltimore, so or, or in Virginia somewhere. And then you know, so we did like I know like Atlanta and places like that. They got like weekly shows at certain spots. We didn't get those, so we weren't lucky enough. We like I said, we had dude, that- it was it was great though. I mean, from I mean, from 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 my perspective, I mean, because while I didn't get to go to the Memphis Coliseum shows, that was a three and a half hour drive for us sometimes four, uh, I did get to go to the Nashville Fairgrounds and watch quite a bit of shows. And Nashville Fairgrounds, the arena was nowhere near as big as the Mid-South Coliseum was in Memphis. But they hit Mid-South Coliseum on Mondays. Uh, on Saturdays, they were in the Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, one day during the week, they were in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, they would be in Louisville sometimes doing shows. And then they would pick smaller towns in between that they would go to and hit National Guard armories or uh, you know, just high schools, maybe even places like that for smaller shows so that even the people outside of the viewing area there or not the viewing area, but the, the, the larger areas would get a chance to see some of these shows. And while you may not have seen the larger stars at, at the time, you know, Jerry Lawler is, he, he's always been called the King of Memphis because he was been the biggest name in wrestling in Memphis for quite a while but him and Bill Dundee and the fabulous ones and the rock and roll express and the fantastics and all these people that come through there, handsome, Jimmy Valiant, Jimmy Hart and his first family, uh, all these people, um, you might see them in the mid South Coliseum starring that week, but then half of those people may show up in Waverly, Tennessee or Dixon, Tennessee or Clarksville, Tennessee, or somewhere smaller in between, where they wouldn't get uh, as large of a match, but they get enough to keep the kids and the families interested and in putting their money into it. So, yeah, like I wish we had. Got, hello. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I, I, I wish we had got like the weekly shows, or they came through like every other week or something like that. I, I wish. I kind of envy those, you know, those territories or those areas that got like weekly shows like that because. 
I don't know. I probably would have. I would have been at a majority of them. But but like I said, when when they when they did come through, they were they were. You had to go. You know what I'm saying? Then along came this thing called pay per view, and you know instead of just packing everybody into a car and going down up the road a few hours or an hour or so, whatever, you got to sit at home and watch them. <laughs> now I, I can't remember. Maybe you. Maybe you can recall. I told you I don't remember last week very well, much less that many years ago. But I, what do you think pay per views were running in average? Was it about an average of fifteen, seventeen dollars a pop when they first came out, close to, or maybe nineteen ninety nine? I don't remember. I don't think they were that cheap. Like so, when we first, like my first memories of actually, like my first pay per view was WrestleMania. Like that's the first pay per view I remember seeing. Um, and she like I think we, I told you before like she had this big satellite in the, the front yard the big space dish mm-hmm. and we watched it there we watched uh, quite a few Wrestlemanias from from, from her house with that dish <laughs> maybe I'm not thinking of Wrestlemanias but some of the other ones like the Starcades and Great American Bash and I remember just ordering like you know, calling the little number, you know, your cable uh, provider number, and ordering. I thought those are like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, now I can remember whenever they now there was at one point an average of thirty four ninety five that right. would pop up every pay per view. You know, we would get some friends together and go to one particular friend's house, and we'd all throw in ten bucks or five bucks, depending on how many of us there were, and we would give it to his parents, and they would order it for us. And I, I know and, in like the, the late nineties, early two thousand, the price got ridiculous. I yeah, but I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking in the '80s, though. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm thinking mid to late '80s that I'm thinking there was some ones that were for twenty bucks, or like 1995. You could get this pay per view or something. And I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know for a fact that it was, you know, big major pay per views because you know, with, when it came to WWE, at one point they had four major pay per views. You got to remember, they, they, they only certain people could get it. Yeah, like, I remember the, the whole WrestleMania spiel. Like, get it so if you couldn't get it from your cable provider. Um, you can go to like an arena and watch it on. Uh, close circuit, yeah, oh yeah, the closed circuit TVs. Yeah, closed circuit TV. So, I think they made the majority of the money doing that in the earlier days of pay per view. I remember it. WrestleMania three showing that, showing different arenas, uh, yeah. in different places where they had those TVs up like that. People were watching yeah, different arenas, so you got money from the arenas. Then you gotta uh, gotta say like the surrounding areas, I guess, smaller little theaters or whatever that were doing a closed capture. I mean, closed capture, closed circuit TV. They mm-hmm. got they got money from that, and then money from the people who could buy it on pay per view. So that's absolutely three different incomes right there. I mean, like in one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, how do you feel um, since we titled this basically wrestling and how pay per view has changed everything? How do you feel uh, as far as a fan goes that when pay-per-views became a thing, they kind of took away some of the stuff that you were getting on television, it felt like, as well as some of the good shows that came to your town. I know you said you didn't get a lot of those come to your area, but let's put yourself in the shoes of somebody who was like myself or something or somebody else in a different area. They got territorial shows come through once a week or once every couple of weeks or something. 
things definitely changed because you didn't you weren't getting these matches no more. They wanted to build it up on television to where you would buy that pay-per-view. So certain small things would happen building up in the booking and they'd have one major thing the week before or a couple of days before and they got you hooked now. You got to see how this turned out and it's usually something that the heel would do to best you know, the baby face and, 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 and get over on them. The good guy, they would do something to get over on them. And it would just really make the fan mad to where you've got to watch this pay-per-view because they got to get their revenge. Right. But I mean, it kind of took a feel away of going to these arenas and watching the shows and everything. Your ticket may have been, gosh, eight, nine bucks, 10 bucks to get in. Maybe less than that. Sometimes mm-hmm. depending on the pay-per-view. You know, like Super Clash wasn't as expensive a pay-per-view as WrestleManias were. No. But, I mean, it kind of feels like it took that away from you as a fan, where you could go see these things. Now you got to wait and hold out, and they cut back on some of the action you got on TV on some of these things, too. I can, um, I can, I can imagine, like, seeing that, I guess, phase itself out, like the, the weekly shows not really meaning as much because everything's booked for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, so, like, like, you got to remember, like, the Saturday morning shows, like, that we got, like, uh, wrestling superstars and, uh, was it All-American Wrestling or something like that or whatever? Yeah. I think All-American Wrestling was on Sunday and Wrestling Superstars was on Saturday mornings. Yeah, we had Wrestling Challenge and then, you know, so a lot of those shows were, like, squash matches anyway. Like, those... Mm-hmm. Those shows, like when they came out, they was it was like if you saw Hulk Hogan, you saw him. It was an interview, like he was doing. He wasn't really wrestling anybody, right? So, so we didn't get to see. You know, that's that's how television was. It was they were having squash matches, and like you said, like I said earlier, the um, interviews were geared to either whatever market they were going to or whatever big show they was about to have. So, if they were doing like the Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble. You know, they would show a squash match, and then up in the corner, they would have the same person in that match talking about what they were going to do in the Royal Rumble. We we're going to go through 29 other men. I'm going to be the first ever Royal Rumble winner, or whatever. Oh, I'm going to be. Uh, when the, when did they make it to where they, uh, where if you won it, you got a title shot? So that's what everybody, you know what I'm saying? So those, those Saturday morning shows were basically exhibition matches. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The one thing that I appreciate the most about wrestling the way it was, take AWA, for example. That's bigger than the Memphis wrestling area, than territory. It was a larger territory. They had cable TV rights. They were on ESPN. Um, Each week when they came on, they had a good uh, main event. They had matches building up to it. Uh, Sometimes you'd have some matches that where it wasn't a squash match, but it wasn't exactly – a pushover either right. okay uh, but they build up to the big main event and it might be kurt henning versus colonel de beers or sergeant slaughter versus colonel de beers kurt henning and greg Ganya versus playboy buddy rose and um uh, uh doug summers you know i mean uh, back when when the midnight rockers first came out that's what they were called the midnight rockers in the awa fighting their way up to you know against buddy rob uh, so I say Buddy Roberts. That's Freebirds. Uh, you know, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers fighting their way toward them. Uh, Kurt Henning and Scott Hall became a tag team at that point. You know, we're doing looking for other things. Uh, you can see big main events 
on television still and enjoy it week to week. And something may happen at the end of the show to where um, something big is going down, but they run out of airtime, right? And they got to go and they cut it off. And now you're mad. You want to know what happens. So now you got to tune in next week. See, that's, that's the thing though. We, 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 where I'm at, we got a, a variety of stuff. So we, we got NWA, we got a good amount of AWA. We mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't get like, we didn't get the same amount of AWA as somebody who lived up north we get, right? Right. Well, I mean, I mean, most people up north got AWA and WWF. Yes. Because so those are the two bigger ones in the north. We were kind of like where I'm at. We're, we're in that, what they call the mid Atlantic area, DC. Mm-hmm. So I got WWF. I got AWA. I got uh, NWA. I got, um, there was this one channel that if you if you caught it, <laughs> you know you just happen to be at the right time switching the channels or whatever, you could catch it. They would they would show highlights from uh, uh from was it Florida or Georgia or something like that. They would show highlights from that. They would show they would show highlights from everywhere, like every, every little federation, every major federation. They would show like highlights. I think it was a. I don't think it was an access channel. I can't remember the name of that channel. It was one of them UHF, something like that. Right. But um, yeah. So we we got everything. So we got a mixed variety. Like like you said, AWA they would do stuff to book towards a big television or big TV main event. WWF did the squash matches. Um, w uh, WCW NWA did. You saw the, a lot of the feuds progress or play out in NWA. Like mm-hmm. you, whoever whoever the Horsemen or um, Dusty Rhodes or who, whoever was feuding with whoever you saw a lot of the feuds just play out on TV and again like I said they would promote Clash of the Champions Starcade uh, um, whatever pay-per-view they were having you know what I'm saying Fall Brawl or whatever so yeah it, every everything was it was the same but it was different like they did it they had a different way of doing it and, and that's how pay-per-view like you said had how the pay-per-view change things, people just book differently to use it to their advantage. You know, like I said, uh, WWF booked to sell pay-per-views. AWA tried to sell pay-per-views, but, you know, the politics about who can run which pay-per-view for which company. Some say Vince McMahon was the evil person buying everybody out so they couldn't run their pay-per-view. I think they, he did it with Starcade or something like that. Like, uh, basically, uh, Vince McMahon, the word was Vince McMahon put the word out there that uh, you can't play their pay per view and play mine too. You know, I'll, and his was making a lot of money at the time with WrestleManias, and he kept saying that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna play their Great American Bash or the Starcade, I'm pulling, you know, my stuff. So yeah, so I mean, then uh, like I said, pay per view and how how it changed things. Companies had to figure out how to play the game. You know what I'm saying? So right. And as pay per view got bigger, you know, every everybody had to do pay per view. That was the that was the market. That was the that was the money. And if you couldn't keep up or couldn't, I guess, play the politics with Vince. Well, that's true. And I'm sure I don't know um, off the top of my head here. We might be able to research it. I don't know, but do you know how much money the first WrestleMania made? How much it took in? I don't know how much it made. I. I know they said that he took the million dollars that he got back from selling back uh, Jim Crockett. The money they paid him for his slot, for them to get the slot back, he took that and paid for WrestleMania. But I don't know how much actually made. 
Let's see if we can figure it out real quick. How much did it make? Um, while I'm doing that, I know some other people tried to step in. Like we, I mentioned Super Clash a minute ago. Uh, Super Clash was uh, Vern Gagne's idea, I think, of uh, starting a multiple company pay-per-view deal to kind of you know compete with Vince's pay-per-views. And because I don't think their companies were really big enough to support one of their own at the time. AWA would have been the closest, yeah. but he invited in NWA. He invited in uh, the Memphis Wrestling. He invited in the World Class Championship Wrestling, which was where the Von Erics were from. Uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. You know what? When you start, as you can see, when you start doing that, you, first of all, all of these people are owners. So right. you got egos. You got well, you know, my talent is the one selling the tickets. No, it's my talent. Said it well. I'll, if if we can't have the main event, you got all that kind of stuff going on, and you know, if people see here's 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 the thing, and you got to look at stuff in context. Take your feelings and what you think you know, and who, you, what you believe, or what story you believe out of it, and it's just as look look at the facts of business. You got the NWA who had a bunch a bunch of different people running it. And if they don't agree on something, you know, that could just fall apart at any time, which it eventually kind of did. You know what I'm saying? Right. But on the other hand, you got one person making the decisions. Like, I'll take input. I'll, I'll We'll have a meeting about it, but my decision is final. And that kind of works for business. Like, in, in business, you have to have one person saying, that's it. This is how we're going to do it. And you got all these people, like you say, the super clash is a prime example. You got all these people, all these territory owners trying to be one. And that's great. That's good. That's what's supposed that's what you want to have happen. Everybody working together, but, but you get these egos and all this stuff involved in, you know, and like I said, again, bring it all back to pay-per-view. It's all about money. Pay. It's the first word in the thing. Pay money. <laughs> We all we trying to make money here, and, and as technology came about, and even you got to be ahead of it, or, or, or at least be forward thinking to keep up with it, because as you see today, technology changes every day. We're we're at the point now we don't even have pay per view. Right, that's right. Everything is on the network now. They what the thing is though, they drove that to the point of having to have something like the network. If you think about it, because it, it went from having. Four pay-per-view. Like, first off, there was just the, the one big pay-per-view was WrestleMania, right? Right. Then they went from WrestleMania to a second big pay-per-view. And I don't know if it was Royal Rumble or if it was... Um, if it works the first time, it's got to work again, right? Right. So now you got two. <laughs> then you went to four. You got four major ones a year. Uh, and that was with one company. Then the WCW, that was WWF. WCW was doing Great American Bash. They were doing Starcade. You know, that was their two big deals that they did twice a year. Then they decided they were going to bring in the bunkhouse stampedes as a competition, like a competitive thing. This wasn't really a pay-per-view per se, but it was competitive throughout so many months. Because, uh, you know, but, and then until you get to the end of it, and you had like the bunkhouse brawl. They were still fighting over cable time too now. Like Yes. So, so I guess... You know, you play the game, how the game with the hand with the hand you dealt, right? So if you can't get cable, I mean, can't get a pay per view, 
or let's sell ads to channels, to cable channels, and let's be in every cable market. So we at least be able to keep up when we sell pay-per-views. We can sell more pay-per-views in different areas. So we'll do that by going and getting on TBS and try to expand and do it that way. Again, pay-per-view chain, that, that's, all, that's all because of pay-per-view. That you had to think that way. So Right. And I'm not seeing anything exactly about how much it made, you know, right off. I mean, there's other places I can look, but I could take the whole episode looking this up and not find it probably. I can tell you that at the attendance of the event, there was 19,121 people that was watching it. But in addition, the event was seen over, seen by over 1 million viewers through closed circuit television, making it the largest wrestling event on closed circuit television in the U.S. at that time. Now, here's where I probably remember uh, how I probably seen the show. I told you earlier, I couldn't remember how I seen WrestleMania, right? Mm-hmm. But I did. I seen it. A technical glitch ended the closed circuit broadcast early into the showing in the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. To appease angry fans who pelted the scream of garbage, WrestleMania was broadcast in its entirety on a local ABC affiliate two weeks later. For all I know, they may have put the thing out for, you know, everybody to see at that point two weeks later. And I may have seen it like that. I don't know. I do remember watching it, though, when it happened. And I know I did not order in May for it. So you say that and that and that just sparked the thought, which is what I love about having wrestling conversations with sensible people. (laughs) So pay-per-view changed, you know, things, but you got so we got streaming, right? Right. And internet and all that stuff. So what happened when you know what happened when you can buy a service like a Netflix? Or move, you know, when you can buy a movie instead of going to the store and rent movies, you could just download it on your on your laptop or, or buy it and have it streamed. So back in the day, if you missed a pay per view, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was a kid, you, rent, you know, you, you especially when you had multiple siblings in the house, everybody got a chance to pick or a week to pick, you know, what what we're watching. Yet we got to pick a movie. And something you wanted to watch, a movie that you think everybody want to watch, and a movie you wanted to watch. And it was my turn. I was I was renting a wrestling DVD, uh, video. You know what I'm saying? So it, if you missed the pay per view six months later, <laughs> it was on deep. It was on a VHS. And you yes, go I can I can remember doing that plenty of times as well too. Renting yeah. them and taking them home to watch them. Uh, the ones I had missed, thinking to see in its entirety. I remember hearing the results of it. You know, on television, or the results of the match was so and so won, but you didn't get to watch it. You know, you still had that. I want to see the whole show. I want to see the show. You know, so right? Absolutely. There was no YouTube. We couldn't go back and watch it. Nobody had a camera phone to record anything. You just saw what whatever highlight you saw on the weekend show on the TV show. And so now you're like, yeah. As soon as it comes out on on VHS, I'm going to get that. I I remember vividly asking the blockbuster person. Like, do y'all have like dates when these come in? Like, because I wanted to be the first one. To, like, block people. Some if if anybody under what thirty now may not even have an idea what blockbuster is. You're probably not. <laughs> but Hollywood like, video blockbusters. Yeah, so we we can go and rent. But if you you notice, there was never more than two or three tapes. If you were lucky, they never kept it like. It wasn't like you could pick from like 10 or 12 videotapes to rent. Like if you had to pray that the one you wanted was there, 
because God forbid you had other wrestling fans in your neighborhood who were doing the same thing you were doing, waiting for the videotape to come out. So, oh, now, I didn't think this was correct earlier when I saw it, but apparently it is. I, I do know how much the first WrestleMania made. So in 19, 1985, WrestleMania one netted one point. Well, it, it made one point one million dollars. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff as the main event. For nineteen eighty five, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Oh, you know what? Oh, 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 no! They didn't got me. They didn't got me. All my podcasts, I swear. That is okay. WWE WrestleMania events live gate, quote unquote, adjusted for inflation in 2016. This is what you get when you try and research on the fly, people. You don't get what you want and you look stupid in the process. So we're going to go back to the part where we don't know how much they made, I guess. And just leave it at that. We can just say they made a lot of money because uh, we do know that the... uh, uh, Super Clash, I told you earlier, uh, one promoter said it made 200000 one said it made 288000 So we can we can just you know, picture that this made at least that much or more as far as WrestleMania goes. But I would say more because it was on, you know, not only on pay-per-view, but closed-circuit TVs around everywhere where a million people were watching. So you had to pay so much money to go to those closed-circuit television places as well. So the, are they factoring in that, or the, are they just factoring in how much they got from ticket sales? It did not say that was like I said. It's also where it said it was also for um, you know, inflation for 2016. What's that? I say it's 2022 now. I can only imagine that may have, may have went up a little bit. Exactly. Um, Let's see, what is this? I don't think we have can. here uh, with assistance from Twitter, the following are pay per view price points we dug up for each WrestleMania. So, okay, now here's what it cost to get the pay per views back when it, when they came out. Keep in mind, these prices are the suggested retail price, and the price for particular providers may have varied. In many cases, in the 80s and 90s, the price was lower if you purchased the pay per view early. And more expensive if you purchase the day of. I do remember that. That is fact. For example, if you purchase WrestleMania 3 at least two weeks in advance, you paid $19.95 for it. 13 to two days before the event, it was $24.95. And the day of, it was $29.95. First WrestleMania, $19.85. $9.95. That was it? That was it. 1986, you paid anywhere from $12.95 to $15, depending how early you got it and wrestlemania 3 it was 1995 uh and this is in, in 1987 you charged 1995 to 29.95 like i just read and then from that point uh, forward it was just one cost it looked like wrestlemania 4 24.95 5, 30 bucks let's just round it up 30 bucks wrestlemania 6 30 bucks 7 30 bucks 8 30 bucks 9 30 bucks 10 30 bucks then went to 35. Then mysteriously, the next two dropped back down to 30. Then back up to 35. And then look back from there. Went up as high as 40 bucks at WrestleMania 19. And it's gone up nonstop from there. Uh, but then again, when did uh, when did the, when did the network start? Do you remember WWE Network? When did that start? I want to say 
2015. Was it 2015? They were charging in standard definition 60 bucks, high def 69.95. And you can still get you can still buy it. I, it like I, right. I said when that when it first came out, was out when, it was like you can still for like the next two years after that at least you can still get yeah. it. And you can still get it, or you can be, just be a, a monthly member. It made more sense to be a monthly member. Yeah, well, than, I think that, that, like, a, lot of, a lot of bars and like places like that were still showing WrestleMania. They didn't really have like streaming really, really as powerful yeah. as it was as it is now. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, just uh, this is just to point out and show that the rise of the pay per view, the longer it went, the more money it generated and made. Uh, not only that, but even as far back as WrestleMania one, we discussed earlier the celebrities that were a part of it. Yeah, I mean, you well, had uh, all these different celebrities taking part of WrestleMania one, and that was a kind of a big thing on its own, right there. Then I think that, like, like they said, like if WrestleMania one didn't work, like that would have been the end. So I think they kind of. Because you got to remember, Vince did this with uh, the dude from uh, NBC. So if ever Vince had somebody to rein him in, I would think it might have been that guy since they were, you know, in such close business together. But yeah. So they did it. They didn't know if it was going to work. So I guess that's why the price was what it was. But once they figured out, okay, people will pay for this. And if we raise the price, they'll pay. Well, if they'll pay if I raise it that much. Let's raise it again and see if they pay again. They can't yeah, they, they can't pay it. So let's raise right. it again. Uh, and we say they, we, we kept paying. Yeah, yeah. Put a, whether we did it alone or we enlisted the help of friends to go in on it with us, you know, we kept paying the money. They don't care how it came as long as it came. <laughs> Crazy. And let me just go over this real quick. This is for uh, those of you who may be listening who aren't familiar with the older pay-per-views. And what it was like. The very first WrestleMania, it was nine matches. Okay. The longest match of the night was the final the final Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snooker in their corner, facing Paul Lorndorf and Roddy Piper with Bob Orton Jr. in their corner. Uh 13 minutes, 34 seconds long. The shortest match of the night was 25 seconds. What match it was King Kong Bundy versus Special Delivery Jones. Oh, God. SD Jones. But a little breakdown of the card. Tito Santana defeats the Executioner by submission. The Executioner was uh, Gondor Mass played by Buddy Rose. King Kong Bundy with Jimmy was Hart. That, was it Playboy Buddy Rose? Playboy Buddy Rose. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just read that. I read it a few minutes ago. I didn't bring it up when I was looking at it because it wasn't, you know, pertinent to what we were talking about. But I, I just seen it a minute ago. That was crazy. Um, Wrestle uh, the third match: Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeats Maniac Matt Bourne. Fourth match: Brutus Beefcake with Johnny Valiant versus David San Martino with Bruno San Martino. Ended up in a double disqualification. Wow. The Junkyard Dog for match number five defeats Greg Valentine with Jimmy Hart by countout. Number six was the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with Classy Freddy Blassie. They defeated the U.S. Express, consisting of Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo with Captain Lou Albano in their corner. Wow. Seven, Andre the Giant defeated Big John Stud. Um, and I can't remember 
Yeah, it, it was. It was career versus $15,000 body slam challenge. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. a challenge out there. They threw the money all out the ring. When it, uh, yeah. Bobby yeah. Tried to run away with the bag. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, we, eighth match tonight, Wendy Richter, who had Cindy Lauper in her corner, defeated Leilani Kai with the fabulous Moolah in her corner. That was for the Women's WWF Championship. And even back then, yes, they had women's wrestling, but it was not showcased hardly at all. We didn't have a very lot of- rarely, very rarely on TV did you see it. Um, and then they uh, started hitting it with the with the pay-per-views. And um, you see more of um, Fabulous Moolah uh, coming back. You see you start bringing in Sensational Sherry Martell. You've got the Jumping Bomb Angels. Or a tag team. That, that tag team, no matter what. It, it, it was always a jumping bomb angels. So. Yes, always, always <laughs> jumping bomb. They take on Leilani Kai and uh oh well it may be Leilani Kai and Mula. Leilani Kai, there was another one too. I forget her name, the other lady. It's been so long now. But that was your your first. Oh, I'm sorry. Final match tonight again, Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snooker defeats Paul Lewandorf and Roddy Piper with Bob Orton Jr. Uh tag team match had Pat Patterson as a special guest referee. And Muhammad Ali is a special guest enforcer. That match so, like went longer than 13 minutes. 13 minutes, 34 seconds. It, official it, it, time. It just felt longer. Like, so, like, yeah. like well, I told you earlier, people complain about pay per views and shows being long. Right? Look, mm-hmm. back in the day at the infancy of this stuff. Whew. Yeah. Now, there's your, your idea of what they had there. It has escalated and grown to the point to where they not only have outdone themselves time and time again with WWE pay-per-views. It's now WWE, not WWF. And they've, they always try to outdo themselves each time. They've come up with the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs pay-per-view, TLC. You've got, uh, what, uh, Halloween Havoc was a takeover, a takeaway from WCW after they had bought them out and everything. But you had Survivor Series. That was their, I used to love the Survivor Series. That was my favorite one. I love the Survivor Series. That tag team match with all those tag teams. But, yes, but then they turned around and they just butchered Survivor Series and made it into a standard pay-per-view. I mean, it's no longer the Survivor Series. And then they went back and had a classic Survivor Series type feel to it for a couple. Yeah, they did. And, I, I, I was the one when Shawn Michaels turned on Triple H and super kicked him at the beginning of the match. Or at the yeah. Point, uh, when they were last two left. Versus, uh, they, they, they had the one where they really pushed Dolph Ziggler when John Cena got eliminated early because the Big Show turned on him and knocked him out and they pinned him. And I guess the Big Show walked away. Uh, leaving what Dolph Ziggler and one other guy against four people, five people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 so, it, it's, I guess, I guess it's cliche. I guess you could say the uh, the pay per views changed with the times. I, I mean, like, I remember there, 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 there was literally no opening, they just the pay per views just came on, right? Went straight to it. And, and when they were and when they were competing with each other, when companies were competing, they they were like, "Well, we got to get original because we got to come up with something these other people haven't done." So NWA come out with at the time with what was my favorite pay per view. The fa- was my favorite match that you could have in a wrestling pay per view. War games. 
War Games. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Two rings inside a giant steel cage. And there's no, you know, you start out with one person. You, you flip a coin and see who, you know, who gets the who, who gets the first person or the first advantage, right? Two on one. But you start out with one from each crew and then one from each side steadily gets in there till they're all in there. Then the match begins. So somebody's getting their butt beaten handed to them for a few minutes before the match officially even starts. My, my best memory at War Games is always the uh, Horsemen versus uh, Road Warriors and was it uh, Dusty Rose and Nikita or whoever. Nikita. Nikita, they they was gonna have Magnum TA, and then he had that bad wreck that ended his career. And Nikita stepped in, and he was the one that was fighting Magnum all that time. And they had him step up and step in and say they were creating the superpowers between Dusty and Nikita out of respect for Magnum TA and the type of uh, competitor that he was. And so he he joined that match, but then it was unsure at that point until they you know until a few weeks later they made it official. I guess that he was they were going to convert him over. To be with Dusty Rhodes as a tag team partner full time for that bit, but that was the, yeah, that's, that's the same one I remember too, the most of. Some brutal Mac man. So I, 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 uh, you know, you remember Kevin? Yes. Um. So me and him were having a discuss. We always have this this uh, discussion, this real debate, friendly debate. Uh, the difference between like WWE or WWF at the time and NWA. And I told him, you know. I watched WWF for entertainment. I watched mm-hmm. I watched the NWA because it was Wrestling. it was more real, you know. And war games, like you can't that that was that I thought they hated each other because they were literally like they were trying to put each other out. Like you could see them rubbing their face up against the cage, like it wasn't mm-hmm. you know, and being blocked. And I mean, we found out later on that you know they they gigged themselves, but. Still, like, right. you still saw and it. I know you just made a good point when you said made you feel like it was real still. Yeah. I I know that you don't like Jim Cornette very much. I I I, I tolerate Jim Cornette. You tolerate him, but you don't really like him much, right? I, I, I agree. Unfortunately, I, I'm trying to put this. You can't. You, you can't help but agree with a lot of his points about so some of the stuff he just says. Is, is I don't. I don't believe he really thinks that. I think he's just doing it to sell. You know, because people well, want. See, to, he want is to, the epitome of 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 kayfabe, though. That's what he is. He is still trying to carry forward that feeling of wrestling as he grew up with as being kayfabe. And people wondering, you know, is it real? Is it fake? He goes, he took good pride, he said, in making it known that he took a shot from people in the, in the stands and people in the parking lots in front of cops who got arrested for assault because he made them just that mad throughout the whole show. He said, that meant I did my job really well, and it I did. take pride in that. It's one of those interviews he was talking about He how he can't stand Vince Russo. It was one of those. That's why I, I agree with him on I can't stand Vince Russo either. Yes, I, and I, I listen to as you know, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts because with my uh-huh. job, I can have an earpiece in, and me being a supervisor, sometimes I just don't want to hear people because they're always complaining about it. <laughs> so I have my earpod in, and I'm listening to wrestling podcasts. And I listen to Jim. I listen to Cornets. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, a lot of his stuff I agree with as far as the product. Um, I dislike all of 
the the overtly cartoony, like the obviously, like I get it as entertainment, but like, come on now, like you trying to like, there's nothing entertaining about about nothing entertaining about a guy with his hands in his pockets. No, like, like no, orange, <laughs> orange Cassidy, not at all. There's nothing entertaining. I don't. I don't. What am I supposed to be entertained about with that? But at the same time, I do believe like he has not let go. He 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 wants to. He wants wrestling to remain in the '80s. And while sometimes that's good, sometimes it, we're we're not in the '80s. We've seen behind the curtain, Jim. Like we know how this works. Yeah. And I I think he still holds a grudge. Yeah, I think he does. But you got to understand, at some point, you know, we knew. Um, that the magician wasn't sawing this woman in half. <laughs> like we know this now, right? We still we're still entertained by it. You know, a lot of people want to suspend their disbelief and try to figure out how they do. Everybody thinks they know how it's done. Some people, but you know, they know I, how it's done, but you know, we still want to. I can still agree with him though that I want my wrestling kayfabe. Uh. I, I you know I don't even watch it. I haven't watched wrestling as consistently as I did back then. Knowing, see, when when Vince McMahon came out and just told everybody, you know, you're right. You called us on it. You got it. It's fake. It's not really fake. It's predetermined. But you got, you know, but we we do put on an inter. We are an entertainment company who give you entertainment value. And in, in my household, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people heard this in their household. Like, so growing up. I got some people in my family who watch wrestling, some people who in my family who just can't stand the fact that we sit down and dedicate time looking at it. Like they oh they, yeah. They're trying to figure out why. Why what why do you watch this? Like yeah. And their their number one argument is you know this is fake, right? So mm-hmm. we, we before Vince came out and said that, we had people telling us this for years. <laughs> But we no. didn't care because didn't. every oh, I mean guys in particular, guys in particular love to see a good, I'm gonna say choreographed match. Right. Or a choreographed fight, you know? We it's, love it. I mean, to this day, people still people find out I still watch wrestling. It's like, you like why would you want to watch a fake? They're not really doing it. I'm like, I understand. And I tell them, I say, I know it's not. They're not. I know it's predetermined. I say I, I'll tell them it's not. It's not fake. It's predetermined. I they I know it's choreographed, but it still hurts. Do you ask them what they watch when they bring it out to you? I, and I tell I bring I tell them that I said, dude, I watch that, and you tell me that's fake, but you just you telling me about a Black Panther movie. The Black Panther ain't real. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like to watch? Do you like to watch Blue Bloods? You say? Yeah, oh, it's, it's, where do the Reagan family live in New York City? It's it's all, it's all comic you, you and like so you know working at I don't know if you told people where you work but the, the big blue company right yeah the big blue the big blue we work at the big blue there's a lot of what you you know comic book people who who because it's a it's a younger um, place you know younger demographic that works there. For the most part, I mean, you still got right. the old people, but for the most, and all of them are in the comic books, and they come, they come to work, and they tell me about this movie, that movie. You ain't never seen it, one? no, I've never seen it. No, how can you not? And then the other, the the teenagers are sitting there back there playing uh, Pokemon and Dungeons and Dragons or whatever they call it, and and all these other games on on their switches, and they're talking to me like it's real. I'm like, but but you're gonna tell me wrestling's fake? 
Like I, everything we're watching is fake. It's all entertainment. <laughs> like, what are you really telling me? Because they they take they can't figure out why I'm watching it. Why do I still watch it? It's the same reason why I can't figure out why you followed this comic book character from its inception to now and seen every movie it was in. It's just you like it's what you like. It's what entertains you. Wrestling is what entertains me. Yeah. Well, just give some. Uh, I'm, I gave you guys the, um, the the breakdown of WrestleMania. Now, this is not the very first one, but to give you an idea of how competitive uh, and how different the wrestling was versus the entertainment of WrestleMania, uh, you've got which was my favorite of the ones they did, Super Clash Three. As a fan of watching it, I believe the wrestlers had an issue because Vern Gagne was known for stiffing your money and stuff. That's probably another story for another time, right? Um, but it tells here how they brought in Texas-based world-class championship wrestling to go along with AWA. Uh, WCWA, formerly known as world-class championship. I'm sorry. that's the I just read that. Uh, Devon Eric Wrestling. Memphis-based championship wrestling association. At the time, it was CWA. Uh, 12 matches altogether were contested at the event. The main event was a tag, meet, tag team match. The Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, fought the stud stable of Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. Uh, the stud stable was a big thing in the South, whether it was Continental Wrestling or whether it was Smoky Mountain Wrestling or if it was Memphis Wrestling. They made a name for themselves also in the Von Eric Wrestling when we had that wrestling relationship business-wise going on with them. Um, and it was just really, really great match. I can remember that match, but they went to a double disqualification. They were just out for blood with each other, it seemed like. Um, it was a great event. Uh, the matches you had there, you had an opening match with six man tag match Chavo Guerrero, Mondo Guerrero, and Hector Guerrero took on Cactus Jack and the Rock and Roll RPMs of Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. Uh, the Guerreros won. Uh, Chavo hitting a moonsault. Jeff Jarrett defends the World Class Wrestling Association Lightweight Championship against Eric Embry. Eric Embry pins him to get the title from him. Jimmy Valiant takes on Wayne Bloom. Um, Bloom attacked Valiant from behind, but Valiant quickly countering, hitting an elbow drop for the win, which I never really understood that. That was the people's elbow before the people's elbow was cool, I guess. Uh, I remember Jimmy doing that thing, man. It wasn't exactly like it was a, you know, it, it wasn't like Macho Man coming off the top rope, driving it straight down in your sternum, you know. He just come off the ropes and drop down on you, and that was it. Uh, Iceman King Parsons defends the heavyweight championship against Brickhouse Brown from the Texas Wrestling. That was a match. Then you had a six-person mixed tag match of the Top Guns, Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes, along with Wendy Richter, against Bad Company, which was Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka with Medusa Maselli. Uh, Bad Company, people may not remember them. That's one of the way, uh, one of the places where uh, Diamond Dallas Page first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a manager for Bad Company. I remember him every week he would come out and talk that they weren't just bad, they were B-A-double-D bad. And he was, I don't want to say he was the annoying, poly dangerously type manager, but he gave you that persona, you know, that he was uh, Mr. Las Vegas and he was better than you or something, you know. He was that guy, you, you know, who you saw. Like if you ever went out to a club and you saw this one guy who just, put on everything to try to impress everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Sunglasses, chains, rings, cigar, uh, toothpick, uh, girls. I mean, uh, Jesus Christ, brother. <laughs> everything, everything. 
Now you bring Greg Gagne, Vern Gagne's son, took on Ron Garvin for the vacant International Television Championship. International Television Championship. Where do you get that title from? What is that? I mean, I mean, it, AWA was not international. Neither were the other people. The following match was a lingerie battle royal. Are you sure Vince didn't have a hand in this one? The Syrian terrorist won the match. That's all it says. I'm just leave it alone. Hold on. Leave it alone. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> this this a lingerie battle royal. A lingerie battle royal. I'm assuming this is with women. I hope. Yes. Okay. And so there's yes. a woman named the Syrian terrorist. There was one in the Syrian terrorist, and there's not like there were a lot of a ton of women wrestlers at the time. Uh, you may have had like Candy Divine show up. Um, uh, there was Medusa Maselli, obviously. There was Wendy Richter. Oh, there was Misty Blue. There was uh, um, I don't know if people. I don't. I don't. I don't think any of the women wrestlers. But uh, Martel was up there for a little while, wasn't she? Sherry Martel. Yeah, I don't remember when she came in exactly. I think she was just. I want to say she was a manager of valet first and then wrestled some, or maybe it's vice versa. But maybe she was wrestling first. Of all the things to call a woman who will potentially end up in lingerie, the Syrian terrorist is what you come up with? The Syrian terrorist. That's what it says. The Syrian what? terrorist won the match. Uh, the I, would, I would hope so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm wondering how she came out in lingerie because they're not supposed to take that garb off or anything, right? You know, they're supposed to be wearing this the whole time. Was it made out of bombs? So she she probably came in wearing that thing all around her head where you can't see her face, but had lingerie on it, you know, the rest of her or something. You took off her uh, cl- uh, clothes and there was a bomb over top of the lingerie. She'll kill you! <laughs> That's so wait, so many. Good thing Rob isn't here. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Because that, that would have been a long road. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> a long road to come back from. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter takes on Colonel De Beers in a boot camp match. Slaughter puts on a helmet and hits De Beers with it and applied the Cobra Clutch for the win. After the match, the Iron Sheik and Sheik Adnan El Casey attacked Slaughter until the Guerreros made the save. The next one was a Samoan SWAT team, Samu and Fatu defended the WCWA World Tag Team Championship against Michael Hayes and Steve Cox. Uh, the Freebirds were not a thing at the time. Terry Gordy was with uh, Steve Williams, I believe, in Japan, and Buddy Roberts was not wrestling, I don't believe. So Michael P.S. Hayes found himself in a solo effort or actually with Steve Cox when he uh, tagged with him. They were pretty good at the time. A brawl broke out between Samu and Fox. It says, who's Fox? Uh, Several referees tried to break it up allowing Buddy Roberts, no, I guess Buddy Roberts was there, to hit Hayes with his wallet. Oh, Buddy Roberts was managing the Samoan SWAT team. I remember that now. Yes. He hits Hayes with the wallet and Fatu and then pinned Hayes to retain the titles. Uh, how big of a wallet do you got to carry that you can hit someone and knock him out? I, look, my wallet ain't never been that full. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, then we got later on Wahoo McDaniel took on Manny Fernandez in an Indian Strat match in which McDaniel won. Um, let's see. Fernandez attacked McDaniel after the match until Tatsumi Fujinami made the save. And now we're reaching the main event matches. <laughs> it's taken that long. to get. To, see, like you said earlier, people complain about pay-per-views being too long. This was a fairly long pay-per-view back in the day. I, it was, so, like I said, we went to my aunt's house to watch pay-per-views because she had satellite. 
it was a we got there hours before the pay-per-view started because it was a it was a thing like we had dinner we had you know it was like a little little party type thing and the paper right. come on and then we had it was the pre-show that started the, the countdown or whatever that was about two or three hours long <laughs> so and then you had the pay-per-view which was another felt like five hours so it, by the time we get by the time we got home it was midnight and people were asleep on the way home that's how long pay-per-views were right exactly exactly and then they talk about i told you the one main event was the rock and roll express versus the stud stable so i won't go back over that again the other one was a title unification match and this was big for me at the time because i was a big jerry lawler fan since i was a memphis nut you know uh and this one jerry the king lawler's awa world heavyweight championship versus carrie von eric's world-class wrestling association world heavyweight championship on the line did world class ever like have their own pay per view? I don't remember a world class. No, no. So they never had one. No pay per views. They participated in the super class, but they didn't have like their own like thing where it was just them. No, they didn't. They had their TV show where they had big main events and everything, like some of the others used to do back in the day. But they did not have their own pay per view for it. No, they were not a big enough company to. Now, now, to swing the way they bought people in from different territories, but it was all them footing the bill. Like right, they'd bring people. They would bring people in. They let well back at the time. In that time too, though, NWA champion, the world champion, made his way to different territories. Right. And, right. and basically, that was Ric Flair, and he was doing it to scout out for people to come to W or to come to NWA. That was the biggest thing he was doing when he went to places. And then they they said he loved Carrie uh, Von Eric, but they could never lure Carrie Von Eric away from his father. I wonder why was it a money thing, or they did, just didn't have the like who was going to buy a world class pay per view? Like it had its own small following there in Texas. You know, it was a big deal in Texas. Yeah, but they didn't have it, it they didn't have cable uh, thing for a while, so they were uh, and. Not an unknown quantity because you could read about them in wrestling magazines, right. but you didn't get to watch them consistently until their later years, where w, where ESPN picked them up along with AWA, so and then you started getting to see them. But by that time, Fritz, the owner Fritz von Erich, is already at the tail end of the company. It seems like so he wouldn't even had the the money to even foot. No, 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 not even to make something like that. No. Plus he had to be in a in a place bigger than the sportatorium, and that was his thing. All his stuff happened at the sportatorium in Dallas. Yeah, they, they, so, they didn't travel outside of that little area. They really didn't. And the biggest thing they had going on for him was the Von Erics versus the Freebirds. Um Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez were a tag team that faced against the for the, the Von Eric sometimes, and then Gino Hernandez uh, met a tragic death at a younger age. They said Gino Hernandez probably could have been a full horseman if he wanted to. I was uh, I was watching uh, some old some old stuff. Um, like I said, not, not the way paper you could just pull up a pay per view from anything now and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> because of the network. I was watching some some old stuff, and I can't help but just sit there and like, okay, this person's not here. This person's not here. And we'll just look at how. You know, I'm I'm watching a pay per view match from 1988, and the people in the match. Okay, this person beat death three times. This person is coaching this. So this person had a child, and now this child, their, their child is a champion or the face of the like. You know, what I'm saying I'm sitting there like, and then you hear about like Gino Hernandez and and, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Chris Adams, the tag team. 
yeah, Chris. Well, Chris, I don't think he would have got further than he was a good wrestler, but I don't think he no. had. I don't think he had the the the, the personality or the charisma. To no, do. he didn't have the charisma to travel places and be big. He he went to play. He went to Memphis. He went to WCW. Uh, he was in Texas wrestling. He never made WWE or WWF because he wasn't big enough for that. Uh, but I mean, he was he was fun to watch. Guy like Gino Hernandez, you got if he had like you know if what had what happened hadn't happened, you got to That's a he was a, he could have been a star. Well, they they said he could have very well been the fourth horseman. He, he could have been the, instead of Tully Blanchard, it could have been Gino Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, and he, he would have. Now, then again, though, if that's the case, we would have been robbed of having Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard as a tag team. So. I don't know. Maybe he's in it because we don't know how you know how that would have worked as a tag team, right? Exactly. It would have bombed. It could have worked. We don't know. Um, and then you had um, what's the Perez guy? Uh, Al Perez. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Is he? He's still alive, right? I don't think he is, but I can't say for sure. But Al Perez was his name. He wrestled in both Texas and WCW. He had he 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 another one. He had it, you know what I'm saying? Like he had he had the physique. He had he had the he could talk a little bit. He he could have been a horseman because he he would he he had a little scrap with him too. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I just imagine those guys if everything had worked out. It would could W W WCCW, what's it, what's it called? WCCW is what they called it at one point. WCWA at another point. Uh, it just kind of switched names around a little bit. Imagine um, those guys; they could have they could have put on a heck of a pay per view show, or, or you know, could have combined and with with uh, Memphis and did a super clash or some type of big show. Well, that's basically what they did in Super Clash. I mean, you had people from the the Texas wrestling with Memphis wrestling and AWA wrestling and. They threw all of them in there, and a few other people they invited in from outside to come in, and they put one big card together to compete. And with all that talent they put together, at the most, depending on which promoter was correct, they still only pulled in two hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. Now that that might just be that that might be ticket sales, it might be ticket sales and pay per view. I, I I don't know. But how but, I don't I don't remember seeing that on sale. At, you know. Or being advertised for sale, I don't remember. I don't never. I don't remember seeing it either. I remember them talking about it on AWA and on Memphis Wrestling because you have know, Lawler being on it to defend his AWA title. I remember right. seeing that, but I don't remember them really. Okay, AWA kind of advertised it a little bit, but it coming up. But I don't recall them talking about it being a pay per view event that you could watch at home. Is a problem. I don't I remember just, that. I just think the AWA title that Lawler had was the ugliest. Yeah, not, there's not, a lot. Of, there's a lot of titles AWA put out, man. That had no, no uh, appeal to them at all, man. I don't even want to be champion because of the way the title looks like. <laughs> and then the the way he become champion, uh, of course, they had Jackie Fargo as a referee, and so everybody everybody figured with Jackie Fargo as referee being the Memphis legend he was, Lawler was bound to win at this time. He never could beat Nick Bockwinkel. He tried two or three times, came close. But never quite did it. When it comes to Kurt, he, he beat Kurt Henning for it. And the way he did it, if you don't remember, was he did that move where you pick up the legs like you're going to flip them over to a Boston Crab. Mm-hmm. But instead of flipping them over, he puts his knees behind his legs and he falls backwards and 
catapults him into the corner, right? Well, when he did it, uh, Kirk Henning's head hits the steel post on the other side of the turnbuckle, and he comes back over and just falls face first down all our Ric Flair, and <laughs> Lawler gets the pin. And that's it, of course. So everybody from the Memphis locker room runs out. You know, they're, they're carrying him on the shoulders and everything. It's crazy. Kind of big old celebration. He, he finally gets it. I mean, he only held the Southern Heavyweight Championship about 52 times. <laughs> so, I mean, and that, and, that's, and that's probably not far off from the truth, to be honest with you. If uh, we were to look it up, it's probably not far off from there. But, I mean, it's, that's all it was, was a local heavyweight championship. It wasn't like a world heavyweight title for a big company or nothing. I don't know. I just, but, you I, know. Paper, uh, back then, uh, it was everything was pretty much brand new to, to them, I'm sure, and to us as fans because we're like, oh, what? We can we can order this now? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody, yeah. Really, nobody really. So I, I will. If it, if it sounds like. So you hear like a lot of people say like Jim Ross was the voice of their childhood. Well, Jim Jim Ross wasn't the voice of my childhood. Neither was Tony Giovanni. When I sure. when I first started watching wrestling, it was Vince and Bruno, or Vince and and uh, Jesse, or it was it was that's who I heard. Remember hearing See, first. it was them for you. For me, it was uh, um, Lance Russell and Dave Brown, right? Because that was Memphis's two guys. And then I, I heard Bob Cottle and all them when on Saturday evenings, but you know, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't even Bob Cottle. I didn't even. I only consider Bob Cottle to be the voice for me. The voice for me was a Saturday Night Championship Wrestling on TBS, and that was Tony Schiavone and uh, the um, uh, the Crockett guy. Uh, it wasn't David Crockett. Yeah, yeah, David Crockett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Jim Crockett, but David Crockett. So David Crockett and Tony Schiavone, and David Crockett was into it like crazy every week. Man, he was all about them. You know, the good guys getting the bad ones. He was all about. When when uh, Ricky Morton come out there, Flair uh, had a match coming up with him for the title. He's actually getting a title shot, and Flair tells him he brings a little little training bra out for him. And says, you know, one of my girls said to give this to you because you like the little teeny girls, and I like the women, you know, and all this stuff. And the Morton takes his glasses off and stomps them. They start fighting. I uh, Crockett was going nuts out there like a kid at a candy store. I mean, he was really into it, so it made you get really into it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I heard them. I, it's not like I didn't hear them. I heard it because I think NWA had, so they had a show on Saturday morning, noon, and then they had a show on Sunday night at six oh five, and then you know, then they had, then they later on they had a show on Saturday night at six oh five. So yeah. those those are only three shows I got from NWA for a little while. But from up north, I got two shows on Saturday morning, another show on Saturday evening. I got another show on Saturday morning. I got Tuesday Night Titans, and every couple of months, I got uh, main event. Well, I will say this, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going we're gonna to re-wrap up on the pay-per-views, everything real quick. But I got, I got Memphis Wrestling. I got the NWA until it turned into WCW, then it was WCW. I got Mid-South Championship Wrestling for Bill Watts. It was called UWF at the time, Universal Wrestling Federation. That came on late Friday nights for me on, the, on NBC, like at midnight or something like that. Uh, I had AWA that I got to watch on ESPN, 
and then I got World Class Championship Wrestling finally come on. So I got I had I had five different places I could watch wrestling, and then I was an avid uh, wrestling uh, magazine collector at the time. That age, I would buy every week uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and um, oh, what was the other one, Ray? Um, there was two big ones at the time that wasn't WWE. What was the other? Wrestling something. Wrestling Insider. Wrestling Insider. Yeah, 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 something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I mean, I was all about those things, and so I could keep up with everybody every week. They had top tens for every wrestling place that you could imagine that was out there. Even if you couldn't watch it, you could see like the Pacific Northwest when they had Roddy Piper wrestling there. Uh, you could see how uh, they panned out for people. Brian Blair was there. Roddy Piper was there. Uh, this is before, of course, Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel formed the tag team Killer Bees. Is before that, all this good stuff. So I it, today I have one wrestling magazine to my name right now. It's a, a handsome Jimmy Valiant on the cover of it. He signed it for me. I've got that one in a, in a sleeve to protect it. And I take it out every now and then and look at it, and it is so awesome. I just want to go out and buy as many of these old ones as I can and hope they're in good shape so I can sit there and reread them again. I got a just few to, uh, that Rob sent me for my birthday a few years ago. Um, that's, that's awesome stuff right there. Uh, and I got them. I got them tucked away. I don't. Even, I used to have them sitting out, but I put them in a file cabinet. They're locked up. Um, I. I was joking around with a friend of ours, uh, Ray Phillips, the other day about Fred Peggs. Uh, Fred Peggs was making a joke about uh, when he when he passed away. The only thing he wanted to have happen was to make sure that um, um, somebody, uh, oh, somebody take care of something for him, and then to make sure that he couldn't vote no more because the running joke is dead people voting these days, right? So I told him, I said, you know, when you decide uh, you're going to make your your will out. Make sure you put in there. I get all them wrestling magazines from back in the day. Well, that man's sure. probably got that man's know. probably got two or three hundred wrestling magazines sitting around. See, from when I was growing, my my uncle, I have an uncle Anthony, uh, my father's brother. Uh, if it were not for him, or like I said, Blockbuster earlier, he literally recorded everything. Like he mm-hmm. recorded the Clash of the Champions. He recorded the. Uh, all those like super show super card or whatever they used to call it um like we we uh ordered the pay-per-views he recorded all those and he had the wrestling magazines like he got all of them so every time i would go to my grandmother's house or go over his house or whatever i would i would i would just grab us i would grab whatever i saw laying out because he would go get them he'd lay them out and then he'd put them you know thumb through them or whatever she was in them and then he'd put them he'd file them away he, he had like a little shelf he put them on so whatever ones he had sitting out, I would get them and run through them, and I would, I would see like Abdullah the I'm like, what the heck is Abdul? This man is cutting people with forks. I gotta find out where this is. Which show is this? Um, I was so I saw like, um, that's where I found out who the Sheik was through the magazine because like we yeah. didn't we didn't get that. So I found out who the Sheik was. I kept tabs on where Ric Flair was going. You know, like you said, they had the top 10, top, top 100, you know what I'm saying? Like the top, then they had to listen to all the, you remember the list they had of the championships? Yes. And all of these, and, and you had a result, so they wanted it at, at this pay-per-view or this show, this big, you know, like I said, before they had the pay-per-views, they had um, like the big territory shows or the big TV shows. I'm like, the Western States, Heritage, Northwestern, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? But, um, 
like you said, all of that, you know, kind of condensed itself, just like pay-per-views condensed. They they got big, then they got small, then they became premium live events. So which, and then they became to where they had to outdo their own sales every year and create new matches to keep them, you know, people interested, it seemed like. So, like I said, tables, ladders, and chairs. What's the one they did, that they, the elimination chamber yeah, that yeah. WWF does? I think um, they, the, the big difference between then and now is, so, you know, you had kind of had to make people buy the pay-per-view because if you didn't buy it, you couldn't see it, right? Right. Unless they showed you highlights or you had to wait, you know, for the DVD or the VHS to come out or if somebody stole some cable and recorded it, you know, you, you had to tape trade us. Now, people say, you know, the, the product is not what it used to be because they don't really have to sell you a pay-per-view. They don't have, you already own it pretty much. As long as you pay your monthly subscription, you already own it. So they don't, right. they're not worrying about selling pay-per-view buys. They're not worrying about selling um, tickets, you know, saying for people to come see it, it, it or for it to be a a mainstream pay per view event because you already own it now. You know, it's ten dollars a month. You can watch it whenever you want. You know, if it, or you can fast forward through and see the one thing you wanted to see. You don't really have to. I watch mean, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe if you're a uh, Xfinity customer, you have Peacock, and on Peacock you have WWE's uh, network as a part of Peacock. Yeah. I got I pay I pay for Pete. So I have the Peacock streamer service, which is four ninety nine, and f- you get the network with that. But if you yeah. pay, if you pay another five dollars, you get it commercial free. So now yeah. I can I can go back and watch pretty much anything on Peacock without commercials, including my wrestling. So I don't have to. And, and, and the great thing about the, the the network, I will say, I've said it a thousand times before. We've had these conversations. Is that if you want to go back and watch the old tape libraries that they've bought from from places, all right, uh, you can go see the uh, the old matches from WCW, the old NWA, the old Georgia wrestling, the old Mid Atlantic wrestling, like back when Ted DiBiase was young, um, and and Hacksaw Jim Duggan was just Jim Duggan. And they were, you know, and uh, Steve Williams and all these guys in UWF that were big dudes that were fighting um, all the way to where you can see Smoky Mountain Wrestling on there in its entirety, basically. I don't remember if they ever got the Memphis tapes or not. I can't say. I may have stopped paying for the network by that time. Who, who owns it? That's that. That's been, um, that's been the thing since. That's, I think that's uh, one of the guys there that used to be on television in the background, his name is Corey. Uh, I don't think it's Corey. De- Maybe it's Corey Davis. It might be the name. Uh, he has quite a bit of the product of the uh, of the library himself that he owns. Um, there may be some others that so that has a, a few of it spread out, but I think there was always some confusion or something on who really owns the whole thing. You would think it would have been, you know, Jerry Jarrett because it's Jerry Jarrett's promotion, but. Apparently, there were some buy-ins or something too. I guess I don't know. So they're having trouble determining who actually owns the full library. Uh, Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Lawler, uh, this Corey Davis dude, uh, or anybody else, as far as that goes. Randy Hales may have some of it, for all I know. And I'm, I don't know if I heard this on a podcast or I, I heard it somewhere that um, there's actually more 
um, NWA footage from places that somebody like you can actually see. Like they don't, that, it's not on our network. I don't know what that footage would be or where it would be from, but house shows maybe or something or um, no, I, I don't know if it's because you know it's, obviously that's TV and pay per view on the uh, network. I don't know if it's a TV show or if it's a like a super show they had. I remember so. A lot of the, uh, you remember the Jim Crockett uh, Same Memorial Cup? Loved it. Yes. Tag team, the tag team invitation? Yeah, there's no footage of that on, on the network. Oh, that's that's a travesty. So I think that's might be some of, you know, because I remember remember when the Powers of, they did the weightlifting contest. Yeah. And they, they hit uh, Animal. Animal with the, and he had to wear the hockey goalie mask and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Like, they, they, there's I remember seeing that show, but I don't remember seeing I, they, they show highlights of it on one of the recap shows on, on the uh, what's the World Championship Wrestling show they had that they got on the network. I, they showed highlights on that, but I don't remember seeing the actual show that happened on, on the network. I think the first Crockett Cup they had was won by Dusty Rose and Nikita Koloff, wasn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, they had they won the was it, it was in Baltimore or something like that. Yeah, they had everybody in there. They had the Fantastics, they had the Rock and Roll Express, the Sheep Herders, the Fabulous Ones. They had all these people that were great tag teams from other places come in to compete in it. Uh, the Freebirds were a part of it. Uh, I don't remember if, if um, the Von Erics showed up in it or they sent someone from there or not. Um, uh, then you had like your, oh gosh, uh, the Guerreros were a part of it. You had... Uh, people just putting teams together and people like Justin express people i have previously never heard of was in that thing yes but they were legit but but they were legit people or legit teams from other places they they come in to to, to throw their name in the hat to try and win and uh then of course i don't know how they went from there with it i don't know how they had it figured out because we know what was pre we know it was predetermined now but i mean i don't know how they had it fixed up at that time yeah, I, I I don't see any footage of that on the network anyway. That's a shame. You might find some on YouTube. You look on there though. And YouTube's got a lot of stuff that you can see. So, I, I just said I I heard that and then I thought I'm like, yeah, you know what? I haven't because you know I was trying to run through my mind of like what haven't I seen on the network? And I thought about yeah, I don't remember seeing any of that. None of the it's you can't see a like. Some I think some of the war games matches. I think one or two of the war games matches isn't on there. Yeah, I don't think all of them are. The last war games match I saw on there was the one with uh, Steamboat and um, the, the group with him taking on the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it might be some stuff missing that who knows who owns it. Was then. was the Crockett Cup a pay per view or that's just something they had on the side going? I don't, on? I don't know if it was it was it was a run it was. It was a running thing. I, so you know how they did like the Great American Bashes where they started having the war games? Yeah. And then it moved to Fall Brawl somehow. And then it, it started, it, it was at a Russell War, then it went to Fall. Like, I don't know if it was part of like a. I um, think the, I think the like, Crockett Cup was more like the, was more like the Bunkhouse Stampede. It was like a traveling hey, like, like with the, uh, like, like the Bashes where like the, whatever paper, I mean, whatever, uh, Main event you saw at the bash in Baltimore wasn't the same one you saw in Greensboro. Some I don't. 
I don't know. I just know I, I remember watching it. <laughs> I just don't remember it being on a network. Like when you go back and try to find it and look it up, like I don't remember seeing it. I, hear I, you. I do remember watching it. I don't know if it was like a like a weekly thing or something like that, but I, I remember watching it though. I remember seeing the matches. I remember seeing them crown the winner. I remember them with that big old cup that was half the size, half the height of Dusty because it came up to his waist. Oh, yeah. Um, I got a picture that I bought um, off of eBay, and it's a picture of Dusty and Nikita where it's like a fold-out poster. It came out of a magazine. I remember the magazine. I had the magazine at one point. But it's a fold-out from there, and somebody had them sign it. And I was curious. I was worried about being, you know, faked or something at first. And I remember researching and looking online, seeing some other items that were signed by Dusty and Nikita, and they both looked. They all, it, it looked exactly the same. So I hopefully I didn't buy something and get snookered there or something. But it, I, I, I'm in my, in my mind, it's legit that they signed it, and it's it's, it's pretty cool. It's one of my autographs I got put up in a in a in a book with the sleeves and everything on it. That dusty autographs gotta be worth a lot. I you'd be surprised. Autographs really aren't worth a lot of money. I only paid like seven or eight bucks for the autograph of both of them on there. Really? Yeah, that was it. It's it's not it's it's not like wrestlers hold a lot of value in their autographs and stuff like that. Um if I was to go and today, now if I was to get an autograph on um in an elite wrestling figure or a pop vinyl or something like that. And yeah, that have a little more value to it. Um, uh, a mask that mankind wore that Mick Foley signed. Yeah. So that. So they want actually like actual pieces. Pictures aren't really, they want memorabilia now. Yeah. This is a, this is just, like I said, a, a fold out poster from a, an older eighties magazine from the, when the Crockett cup was going on and they signed that somebody so i mean it's it's not a big deal it, it's cool to me that i got to look at and reflect back on that's all that's what's important to me for it uh anything i buy that i collect uh for a while it was wrestling figures uh i didn't do it for the investment of money i tore mine open out of the box and had them on display and then when i had the hurricane michael come through florida i lost some of them and damage and what i had left i was just so frustrated with after spending all those years and money and you know buying them and everything, that uh, only thing I had left really was figures that would look like they were WCW. Like I had the Four Horsemen Hall of Fame set out of the box. I had a Magnum TA. I had a Dusty Rhodes. Uh, I had the Road Warriors. Um, oh gosh, there had to be one or two more uh, that was that 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 area there. Anyway. I packaged them all up with a WCW ring and sent them off to Ray Phillips because he's a huge fan of WCW. He's got them on display or something now. So as long as someone gets some joy out of it, that was fine. But I I, I never really invest in a collection for money down the road. Unless it's going to be something like sports cards or something like that, I wouldn't invest in, 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 in toys because I'm too much of a nerd and a kid at heart. I got to have them out where I can see them and touch them. Yeah. I, I got I got a few, like I got the Four Horsemen figure pack. Is I got as a gift. Um, I haven't really opened that 
if you leave it if you leave it closed and you go get it autographed by everybody who's in the box, that might have some value on it to a wrestling fan. I better I better get Rick Rick's autograph on it before Rick. I don't know how many times he's gonna cheat the big one. <laughs> I know you better get it soon while you can. They uh, did you find where they're gonna be at and go chase them down? <laughs> I got uh, I got Arn Anderson's autograph on his book I bought from him and on a picture I bought. Um, he he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, I, I like Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson is one guy I'd rather read his book than listen to him. T- I you know instead of hearing him tell me his story. I'd rather read his book. His book I, is good. I've tried to listen to him on the podcast, and God bless him. You know, I ain't the most entertaining guy in the world. I don't have any stories nowhere near as compelling that other people might want to hear as, as R. Anderson does as far as wrestling goes. But Do, do you know why that's funny, though? Because he was a great talker on wrestling. I know. He, is- when he took the mic and talked about being the enforcer, Arn Anderson, and told you what he was going to do. One of the best was, in the business. Yes, but to hear him tell stories is is painful. It's, it's very painful. And I'm like, how is this the same guy that at the tender age of 10, 11 years old got me ready to want to go outside and beat up my friends? <laughs> just, listen, he, just listen to him talk. Like, he said this one thing one time that I just thought was so awesome when I heard it. And he's telling this one guy about how him and Ole are going to, they were the Minnesota Wrecking Crew at the time and how they were going to take that and they were going to beat him down. He said, we're going to take a body part and we're going to work on it and we're going to focus on it and we're going to take that part out. We're going to take that right leg or that left leg and we're going to peel it back. We're going to stretch it. We're going to bend it. We're going to stomp on it. We're going to hurt it. And we're going to show you why nobody in the world has use for a three-legged coffee table. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that shit's cool. I don't know what the hell that meant, but yes. Because, <laughs> like I said, at, at ten, you're like, what the heck? What is, what is he talking about? A three legged coffee table, but right, because you because know, it won't stand up right. You know? Right, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't as savvy as I am today. You know what I'm saying? At, at ten, yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah, because we we again, like you know, we watch the show. We get up, we do our chores, we watch the show, and then, you know, grandma kicked us out the house because she wanted a nice, clean house for a couple of hours. And she didn't want the kids messing it up. So we went outside and tried to imitate what we watched. You know, cousin and uncle would have wrote Warriors. I was Precious Paul. You know, a few other people wanted to be uh, the Four Horsemen. I was either Tully or, um, um, I was either Tully or uh, Oli. You know, I just wanted, like you said, we, was, we, we were actually sitting there and playing like, okay, when we get up there and fake wrestle, we're gonna take his leg because <laughs> we're gonna break his arm. We, we did the whole. I don't know if you remember when they tied Dusty's arm to the door of the uh, truck and hit him with the bat and broke his yes. arm. Before we, we come back with a hard time speech. Yeah, we we did. We right, we're gonna take him. We're gonna tie his arm to the tree and we're gonna take this. You know, it was a tree limb, but caught it a bat. We're gonna take the bat to his arm. And, you know, we did all that. So. Man, I tell you what, give me one match before we go. One match that you can think of that is one of your not not be your absolute favorite, but it's one of your favorite wrestling pay per view matches that you grew up watching, or up until recent, if you want to. Just one though that stands out in your head that you will always remember and not forget. Uh, one that I will not ever forget. Okay, I'll give you two. Mm-hmm. Um, just for like I said, one that I'll I'll never forget, right? Um, one 
is a more recent one. Just because, like, like, like I told you, I'm, I'm a big Undertaker fan, and you know, but when the streak was broken, like, like you said, we knew wrestling; it is what it is. But nobody, like, it was just like when that happened. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, what? Did we're all waiting for like the master restart, or we'll make somebody made a mistake, or this that ain't right? Like, something happened, something went wrong. You know what I'm Did saying? You that look on your face at the guy from the crowd. My eyes, my, eyes, my eyes did not get that big, but you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, because I, I I was watching it. It was me, um, one of my other one of my neighbors, and another friend of mine. We were over my house. We were watching it, and we we're like, like everybody just got quiet. It was something like, what, what? like we we're looking at each other. Like, what happened? Did you did we miss something? Like it's just like did we miss something? Like that's not supposed to happen. So that I I will I will always remember that match. Just and before that even happened, like you they that was such a hard hitting match. Like them boys beat each other up. Yeah, that was a good match. Um, and another one I'll never forget was the uh, Bret Hart uh, Stone Cold WrestleMania 13 match. Um. I'm not the biggest Bret Hart fan more because of what he says and has nothing to do with his actual wrestling. I don't think he was a good talker at all, <laughs> um, but he was a hell of a wrestler. And then just the story of that match, like, you know, I'm the, first of all, you put Stone Cold in a submission match. He's not a submission wrestler. He more or less just beat you in submission than actually put on a hold. You know what I'm saying? Right. Even though, even though he was the ringmaster and he used the sleeper hole, but you know, that's not a it is what it is. Um, so you got that going and you got Brett who could just, you know, just take you down, take you apart, do what he wants to do if he wanted to, because he's a good technical wrestler. Um, and then at the end then, you know, just stone cold, I'm you know, even he he acknowledged it in in, in the uh, promo, like you're you're a technical wrestler. I'll never say I quit. I'll pass out before. And that's what happened. He passed out before he would say I quit. So those two, those two matches, I, I'm just story and ending. And those are two of the ones I, I won't forget. I, I'm i going to throw two right back at you. And both of them have a same wrestler in both of them. Okay. 1987 WrestleMania three. Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage. That is that is on the top top ten list. That is, it's on the top ten list, but it, it's 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 because it's very memorable. I mean, they That's went back and forth for a while, and there was a story, a huge story building up to it, where Savage had tried to take out Steamboat. He's like he said, they said he tried to kill him. He he had him his neck down against the guardrail and come off the top rope with the timekeeper's bell into the back of his neck and tried to break his neck and destroy his larynx and everything and all this stuff. So they had it laid out real thick, you know. There's, a, there's a match or, or a match that belongs on a, as a wrestling clinic or you can call a wrestling clinic. That is mm-hmm. it. Yes. Both of them were great wrestlers, in-ring in wrestlers, technicians, sellers, everything, you know. They did well. Now, I can't say Steamboat was good at talking because he wasn't. Savage, no. was, Savage was what he was, you know. He sounded like a lunatic. Right, but 
but people dug it though you know they were into him uh even when he was bad they were into and listening to him talk at least right um the other one um not it, it may have been in 80 may have been 89 early 89 or late 88 uh, i forget i think it's early 89 I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, but Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, where Steamboat gets the championship away from Flair, wins the world heavyweight title. And that had been building up for weeks for that match because that had a good build-up also, just like the one with Savage. This had a good build-up because Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert was having trouble with the four horsemen. They wouldn't just wrestle him one-on-one. It'd always be two-on-one, three-on-one, four-on-one. So... Eddie Gilbert tricked Flair into signing a contract against him and a partner of his choice called Mr. X under a mask. It's Mr. X. And as Wyndham, uh, Barry Wyndham and Ric Flair in the ring, this is a Saturday night, 6.05, you know, WTBS wrestling show that night. Eddie Gilbert's in the ring. He's clapping his hands, getting the crowd fired up and everything. Flair comes out. uh, Wyndham's out there with him. They're waiting for this. Where's your partner? Where's your partner? Who's this mysterious Mr. X? Where is he at? And then you hear the music kick in. It's the same music he used in WWF at the time. Um, and you know, if you're a Steamboat fan, you know it's him just from that. Mm-hmm. And he's walking out, and the people are going nuts, and Flair's going crazy because he didn't think that Steamboat would be the guy because they had a previous feud from years back where they had a series of 60-minute matches with each other. So they- I'm- I'm, I'm looking I'm down at every Ric Flair Steamboat match, and I think the one you're talking about is Clash of the Champions 6. Okay. And he, and he takes it. I mean, just takes the... Well, I don't know. I, I can't consider that a pay-per-view match in Canada oh, if it's a Clash oh, of Champions. Oh, wait a minute. It could have been... Oh, so, is it... I think... You know what? Scratch that. Wrestle War 89. So Wrestle War 89 is where... Um, Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's when we're Flair won it back from Steamboat. I had that pulled up earlier. Is that the one where Terry Funk attacked Flair? Yes. Okay, so. Then it, was the one, it was the one before that in 89 because Wrestle War 89 was May 7th. So earlier that year or late 88, one or the other, there was another pay-per-view that they fought each other in and Steamboat won the belt from him at uh, I just can't remember which one it was for sure. But if it was Clash of Champions, was, those were three. Clash of Champions was uh, April 2nd. So was that? Oh, so a month before then? Of 89, yeah. So, Does it say that's where he got it? Ric Flair defeated Steamboat. Steamboat defeated Ric Flair in the best two out of three falls to retain a world, in the world championship in 55 minutes. So he must have won it before that then. And then to paper, at the clash of champions he beat him two out of three to, to retain it but then lost it at wrestle war yeah but they had so many great matches man and none of them are the same no rick rick flair would tell you that they are <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they are everybody talks about some people have certain moves that they do better than anybody else ricky steamboat was the deep arm drag yeah, and you know who does another one? Uh, almost as good as Steamboat, if, if not on, if not better, Randy Orton. The Orton, yeah. Fair enough. I there's a video of his son training to wrestle. I don't know if you've seen it. It was on no, the- I haven't. But I mean, well, there's been an Orton around for generations, so it doesn't surprise me. 
was floating around on uh, Instagram. And you know that uh, that snap power slam he does when he catches you off the rope? Yes. His, his son has that down to a T. Wow. I know he's not the first one I've seen do that, but he does it probably the best of anybody I've ever seen do it. I mean, he has, if you watch, it's like a 30-second clip where they just, you know, run the ropes, you know, drop down, tackle, reverse. One of the British Bulldogs used to do that well, didn't they? I don't know if it was Davy Boy or Dynamite, but one of them used to do that. Rick Steiner used to do it. Uh, quite a few people have done that quick power slam like that, but Randy Orton just – he looks like he's a contortionist, like a freak of nature when he does it. It's like his body twists, but the rest don't, and then he comes behind afterwards. Yeah, it's like his feet stay planted, but his whole yeah. stuff, he's just twisting. I'm like, how do you do that? I don't know. It's crazy. Well, we got to go ahead and wrap this up. I know we said earlier we were not going to do a long recording. I did a long recording in the one uh, just the other uh, couple of podcasts to go before this one the one for, for when this airs it'll be two weeks before and we went long on doing a show on rambo <laughs> but this is going an hour and 37 minutes and ray and i can sit here and talk wrestling for hours on end so there's no doubt we'd probably go three hours easy on this if we wanted to but yeah, this, it's been a fun interesting conversation like i said i, I enjoy wrestling conversation with sensible wrestling fans one who will not let their fandom get in the way of, <clears throat> you know, oh, no. good debate. So, you know. No, 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 no. It's always fun talking. Mean, I can see both sides of the coin when it comes to wrestling, whether you're a person that loves the bad guy, a person that loves the good guy, whether you want it to be pure wrestling or you want the entertainment factor thrown in with it. It's all good stuff. It's all entertaining in its own way. And the way it's, it's all awesome. about awesome. how you take it. And we're just trying to be entertained. That's all. If it, may, if it entertains me, I don't care. Just, exactly. And, and and as far as the pay-per-views goes, just to wrap back up on the pay-per-views, they did make a big impact on the industry of wrestling. You went from having just big shows in the big cities to being able to sit in the comfort of your home and pay a little extra money and get it at home and watch it. And the longer they went, the more competitive they got until the companies either couldn't compete anymore or they had nothing new to show at you. And they, and, you know, they flopped because they had nothing worthwhile to show you in the pay-per-view. Eventually, as it all turned out, Vince McMahon bought everybody in the long run. And that's another that's another podcast for another time, right? Because everybody got mad at Vince for buying everybody. But, hey, no one made those people sell but themselves. Hey, and I'm not mad because I can see any pay-per-view I want for 10 bucks. I'm good. I'm, I'm and that is, and that is right. It <laughs> evolved, it's evolved beyond the point of just pay-per-view to saying that now on the network, for just nine ninety five, you can watch everything plus a library of stuff that happened in the past and enjoy all of that. It's crazy how it's gone from just being a weekly show that carried through with the bookers to hiring full-fledged writers to write things for people and build storylines up to last over weeks at a time, sometimes months, to build up. You may build up from, you know, Royal Rumble, um, up till next year in 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 WrestleMania, you know that long off and on every few months it picks up again to get you a little highlight of what's coming up. But you know, it will come when you will be watching a wrestling premium live event through virtual reality goggles. I don't doubt that, or a hologram TV in your living room right in front of you. <laughs> they've they've got the metaverse, and people are buying real estate in the metaverse, which is weird to me. But uh, but I mean, I just, just just imagine, just like you know. I can buy this 
pay-per-view and I can literally be feel like I'm sitting in whatever arena at this time, you know, and there's, there's a wrestler standing in front of me. Oh, that's crazy. Very crazy. Well, everybody, I'm glad that we could have this conversation. Ray, hang on for a second. Don't go nowhere just yet, but I'm glad we had this talk and everything. It's always fun with Ray Franklin here on the show, talking wrestling. Uh, There's not many people I know that I can sit and talk wrestling with that knows as much as Ray does and remembers what he remembers and has so much in common with wrestling with me as some of the others do and everything. So it's always fun having him on. Maybe one day in the future, we'll turn around and tackle another wrestling subject. Uh, like I said, you know, we may go into the uh, the purchasing from the um, the territories clear up until just one man until, you know, here recently, AEW sprung out. And some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, some people will say it's the only thing, the only good thing in town. But that's that <laughs> classic argument we've all had, right? It's that classic argument. Every time we do have so, wrestling fans, like I know. that's another topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, so uh, we will talk with you again on this subject or something again later, Ray. And for all of you out there listening, you know where to find us at. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Amazon Music, Google Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. We're hosted on Anchor.fm. You can come there and get it straight from the source. Uh, if you have anything you want to bring up to me, you want to comment on the podcast uh, directly to me or have any ideas for a show, Retro Life 4, U-R-E-T-R-O-L-I-F-E, the number 4, Y-O-U, at gmail.com. Or you can catch me on Instagram at the same name, Retro Life 4U. And I do return any messages you send to me. So feel free to get into it. Let us know what you want. When you listen to the show, if you like it and everything, recommend us to your friends. Give us a good five-star rating, of course, and a good review. It does help me with the algorithms and the rankings, and I certainly appreciate it. So, Ray, once again, thanks a lot. Everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed the one-hour and 42-minute rant we've given you on pay-per-views and wrestling, and we will catch you again next week.